Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know what you've done Good evening everyone and welcome to Stop Child Abuse Now Scan Radio show number 3277 Stop Child Abuse Now is brought to you by NASCA the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. NASCA is a nonprofit 501c3 organization, and I'm going to read their mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, CSA. Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And on Tuesday and Thursday nights, the Stop Child Abuse Now has a call-in discussion with a survivor professional using an open mic forum. Tonight, we'll feature a a survivor professional co-host who will field topics brought to the episode by you, the listener. And we're going to give out the phone number. Give us a call at 646-595-2118. Give us a call and make comments, ask questions, tell a little bit of your story. Please join us. Tonight's special co-host, Pastor Deborah Schley, who grew up all over the world in a military family where her mother was mentally ill. She is now a survivor professional living in Pensacola, Florida. She's trained in ministry, mental health, working with substance abuse, and is a trauma-informed social worker all in one. She volunteers with many community organizations. 
Pastor Deborah says she can minister by text, phone, Skype, in person, and however the Lord directs her, 24-7. She teaches that humans have three parts, being of spirit, soul, and the physical body, and believes that all three are important and that each area needs care. Okay, and with that in- introduction, I'll say hi, Pastor Deborah. Are you there? Hello, oh, Miss Annie. Are you there? I'm yeah, here. you know what? Ha- okay, that's good. What happened is the computer uh, muted me while you were opening, and for some reason it kicked me off the phone call, so I had to call back. But I'm here now. Huh. Okay. Well, I'm glad yeah. you're here. Yeah. So well, I want to welcome. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say welcome back. Yeah, thank you. It's right. I've been gone, so I'm glad to be back. And you've been gone for a month, right? So you were glad to be back. Um, It's been a couple weeks since I was here. I was filling in on the set. I'm filling in on the second Tuesday of uh, every month for a while till they find a regular speaker and, of course, doing my regular fourth Tuesday of every month. So I've mm-hmm. been kind of busy with NASCA over the last couple months, but we're here. We're going to get a good topic together, and I'm glad you're back. You're healthy and that kind of thing. Couldn't be better. Well, that's All right. great. We, have, um, we don't have any callers any- yet. Okay. Uh, just you well, and me. Okay. Well, let's get into our topic. I, um, I I just did a video about how I come from a long line of teachers, so I am more of a teacher that brings forth information, so people can understand, you know, say healing or trauma, and sometimes that's just the first step is getting some information. So NASCA is very good about having so many different guests and topics to provide information and education. And um, sometimes people have to have that in order to make steps toward healing because when you've been, say, traumatized since a childhood uh, from child abuse of any kind, uh, whether it could be a neglect, verbal bullying from your parents, sexual abuse, physical abuse, through domestic violence or sibling abuse or even uh, food insecurity or bullying at school, what happens is uh, it affects us and it traumatizes us, creates memories in our soul and our body. And uh, it stays with us most of our teenage years and our adult life and sort of changes our thinking and our concepts and our feelings. And when, since NASCA works with adults and it is trying, are you still there? <laughs> okay. Excuse me. I'm All right. sorry. Uh, okay. That's all right. I did, everything got kind of quiet, so I didn't know if I was. I had to call back in. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about is, of course, healing. Because uh, most of the listeners are adults, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Miss Annie? Most of the listeners yes. are adults? Yes. Okay. So, okay, so they're no longer children. 
but they're dealing with the effects of the trauma, the abuse, uh, from many different sources and many different ways. But now we're an adult, and most people may not even know that they need healing. Uh, they just may go and get medication for depression or anxiety or some sleeping pills or do drug and alcohol to find some peace. They don't really know maybe a lot of times what's tormenting them or why they need to do that. And um, there's many different ways. I think Bill's real good at talking about many different ways of finding relief from some of that and the alcohol and the drug abuse and stuff. But what I wanted to talk about was the very first anchor, very first thing that needs to come into an adult's life to bring healing. And what that is, it needs to be a ray, an anchor of love. Now, when you get out on YouTube or LinkedIn or just out on social media, you'll see a lot from survivors who have turned into life coaches, uh, have turned into therapists, have turned into um, all kinds of support systems for people. And one of the things that they talk about is learning how to love yourself. Because for just about 100% of adult survivors now do not know how to love themselves. They don't know what genuine love is from a mother or a father or from siblings or from friends or from society. They really, love has been so perverted, abused, twisted, confusion. And so this adult who has had childhood trauma has a difficulty they don't know what to look for. They don't know how to understand it. A lot of them, as an adult, are still looking at love from a childhood's viewpoint from when the abuse started. It's like the love part of us is stuck in childhood. And we get all distorted on what is love, what is a relationship, how are we to be as an adult, and we don't, we have not been able to grow mentally. We don't have education. Maybe we've stayed in this abusive situation as children, and we don't know what a good, loving mother looks like, or a grandmother, or an uncle or a religious leader, or society, or school teachers, or neighbors, or friends, or brothers and sisters. Because we haven't had that model in front of us. So we don't know what is supposed to be normal. What is, we'll call it, a true loving relationship. So love which is made up of different, I'll call it elements, different components. It's not just love. It, uh, it provides a sense of safety, a sense of who you are, 
a sense of dignity, a sense that the child would feel I'm protected, I'm safe, you love me, even though when I fall down and scrape my knee, you're there, you comfort me. And all of that got perverted when the abuse came in. And when the abuse occurred, whether it's verbal, physical, sexual, even uh, not giving enough food to people to eat, depriving them of their sort of freedom to choose, uh, some abuse is a, a mother maybe wanted a girl and she got a boy, so she dresses the boy as a girl. Sometimes the dad wants a boy, and they got a girl, so they dress the girl. Is that abuse? Yes. Because their wishes. So in helping people who are adults, they have to get some education, some knowledge. We might need to look at their ancestors, their culture, uh, their close family, and maybe look back two or three generations to see what was passed on and to this child. There's also uh, what we will call curses that can be passed on, that can be spoken over the child. Uh, genetics, as we know, for biological things can be passed on. So in an adult who's seeking to be healed, they need to understand, get some education, do some reading, look up the word love in the dictionary, and try to find out a little bit more about it. Do you have any comments yourself, Miss Annie, about this topic? Well, I think that when you said we don't know what loving people look like, that's so true because I always trusted everyone because, mm -hmm. I don't know, I just felt like I, I had to never put up defenses. I had to be completely vulnerable. I don't know why I thought mm -hmm. that. But I I thought everyone was going to be a good person and, you know, follow the rules of good personhood. But, no, I got hurt a lot of times in a lot of ways because I didn't know what loving people looked like. Mm -hmm. And I hope that now I do. I hope now I, I consider it. I didn't even consider it before whether someone was trustworthy. They were just okay in my book. If I met them, they mm -hmm. were fine. And, but now I have mm -hmm. some discrimination. Um, and another well, thing I wanted to say uh -huh. that... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go right, go right ahead, Miss Anthony. I was just going to say about the the safety that you can feel when you're in a loving relationship as opposed to the fear you feel when you're in a non-loving relationship. Just the safety of knowing I am who I am and it's safe to be me because the other person is not going to hurt me for being me. Um, so, okay. yeah. Okay. Well... And one of those developmental 
areas of a child is the feeling, the understanding of safety, love, uh, what is a companion, what is okay, what is not okay, uh, what are, uh, how, and in childhood, we had to study this as a master's level counselor, we had to take childhood development. It is vital to learn about that. And you get a, and there's a lot of people that, there was one, a Dorothy Note, N-O-T-E, she wrote something like, a child will learn what they live. If they learn what, if they live with love, they learn to love other people. If they learn, they live with judgment and fear, they develop this. How it's looked at, sort of in spiritual ministry work, is that we sort of have um, a soil, a garden. We have dirt inside of our brain. And when our parents or guardians or siblings, society, culture, start speaking to us, touching us, holding us, feeding us, interacting with us in nonverbal and verbal ways, seeds are getting planted within our mind, our brain. And all our interactions are through our five senses are getting watered and those seeds are starting to grow. And if we speak harshly or and the child is doing a what we call a knee jerk reaction because they're afraid they're going to get hit. Chemicals go off in the biological body. The body is responding to a fearful situation, to possible pain. All of that is watering these seeds, perverting them, twisting them. So the child is developing emotionally, mentally. Down here in Pensacola, this, uh, they actually started, they understood in some low-income families that if the mother and the grandmother and the parents do not read to a child, the child's brain does not develop neurons, the chemicals are not uh, nourished, There's the five senses are not receiving knowledge, and so the brain doesn't develop to its fullness. So they started a program with every new pregnancy and a mother having a baby in a hospital, they'd give them a book, a bag of books, and they would talk to them and they would sort of give them a home counselor and talk to them about the importance of just reading, holding the child in your lap and reading, talking to the child and how it develops their brain. And they were doing research for, I think, the University of Chicago to show that just talking to a child develops the brain. Now, if you're talking is yelling, screaming, cursing, loud television, loud music, loud stuff, slamming doors, 
uh, dogs barking all the time, television on, music that's just horrendous, neighbors screaming. It is developing the child's brain, not in a good way. The child is learning what the environment is like around them. They learn to anticipate. And when I started working with people coming out of multi-generational Satanism and witchcraft, heavy-duty sexual, spiritual, religious abuse, they wanted, now they were all had multiple personalities, but they were afraid of this new system of love, that I would love them as a mother. They had no idea what a good mother was. They had only had bad, what we'll call mothers of darkness in their life that were very abusive, uh, would sell their own kids to survive, me or them, uh, would allow the kids to be sold and beaten and stuff so mama could live. And uh, they did not know the rules of this new type of relationship with me their mother, spiritually, and what this love was. They had heard, I love you, by a lot of icks, and then they get raped. Or you do this, they carried a lot of guilt. You will do this because you you have to love me. And I, they'll put the guilt trip on you. I gave you life and I got the stretch marks to prove it on my body. Therefore, you owe me, and you have to do this because I want an apartment. I want this. I want that, and uh, I want a nice life, so you have to pay for that, and they knew those rules in that world of abuse. They didn't know the rules in a loving, kind relationship. They were always afraid I was going to turn on them, no matter what they did to me. They were expecting me to act like everybody else did in their world, you know, be abusive towards them, hate them when they do things. And so they were afraid of this new system of love, and they were afraid to give it a chance. Uh, Love to them meant lots of sexual stuff, lots of drugs and abuse and beatings and uh, a lot of sexual partners and all kinds of stuff. And this one young guy named Chris, he was a drummer in a heavy metal music band. He was so afraid of love. He'd had girls and women and boys and everything. But he was afraid of this genuine love. He was afraid to let it touch him. So what I discovered is when you give genuine, pure love, that is not tainted by abuse, that you have no desire to hurt them, you, your love is free, it'll cost, you'll pay a price, not them. The love is not perverse, it's not abusive, it's not sexual. They can feel the deepness, the ray, we'll call it the rays of that spiritual connection. They'll be afraid of it, because they have been in all kinds of relationships with all kinds of people and things. 
And so this one young guy, Chris, it took him many years just listening to me before he would take a chance on letting genuine agape love just touch him and for him to just receive the words of love. And uh, so love is the the very most powerful uh, emotion, relationship, connection that a child has with mother, father, grandmother, brothers, sisters, society. And what happens is that humans will still seek it and they'll become friends with a stuffed animal. They'll become friends with dolls, pets. And then when they're seeking comfort, they might start loving food, alcohol, and they get that peaceful feeling of comfort. And then, of course, the biological body becomes addicted to it, and they have a whole other set of issues. So love right from even before the the child probably was touched and it actually event actually occurred love was already perverted and twisted from the parents the guardians the brothers and sisters and they were born into um, a atmosphere where genuine love was not available So their development in their minds, their brains, their memories, it is all developed, twisted, and perverted. And do you want to make a comment, Miss Annie? Um, uh, No, I don't right now. Thank you. Okay. Anybody on the line? No one is on the line, but I will give the number out again. Please give us a call. The number is 646-595-2118. And I'll answer your call and welcome you into the show. Please give us a call. Okay. All right. So the very first area in healing that whether you go to AA, a peer support, a life coach, a mental health coach, a psychiatrist, a social worker, a peer-to-peer, the first is that the person is looking for love. They don't know that that's what they're looking for. They might call it support. They might call it friends somebody to understand them with and not be judgmental. But they really don't understand what the core the thing they're looking for is to be loved. Yet they don't know what it is. That, that you know, love is not or it's sort of just thrown around like at Valentine's Day. And people don't even realize the true story of Valentine's Day. It's not about chocolate and candy and loving your sexual partner, your girlfriend. It was a story from the Roman Empire where there was a young girl who was uh, blind and her rich uh, 
Roman Empire uh, emperor or general hired a slave and he would teach her and he did and she wanted to see and he prayed he was a Christian and he prayed for her and she was healed and he was taken at at that time because he was a Christian he was taken and burned at the stake or sent to the wherever you know, the lions got him beheaded and she planted an almond tree in his memory his name was Valentinus and from that story came Valentine's Day and people got it all twisted and perverted around and what happens is this is the first emotion that needs to be in good shape in a person. Mental health counselors are not quite legally and ethically able to say, they can say, I love you, but it pushes the limits of ethical boundaries. So they can't really offer that as a mother or a father or a brother or a sister in a family relationship because that's not what they're to do. They would probably get sued for malpractice. So you're not going to get it there. When you go to a peer-to-peer support group, uh, you are trying to get your needs met from somebody else who is needy, who is broken, who doesn't have much to give, at all because they are so needy and if you go to AA like I think Victoria has done you're, you get a sponsor who's down the road some but they tell you about a higher power that's working with them and it's through that higher power that you get all your needs met your forgiveness and, and that's the one that's working with you and the the sponsor helps you to find it, see it, is a representative of the higher power. But in regular therapy, they're sort of exploring you and your thoughts, your feelings, and trying to help you understand why you feel the way you do, why you make the decisions that you do, and trying to uncover, like a detective, what happened to you. You know, that may have been 20, 30 years ago, and you don't really have memories or you have partial memories of it, and they try to help you recover them. And they believe that by doing that, you will have a better understanding. You can cry over the loss of your childhood because it is, it's, you lose when you get abused. Everything's perverted, twisted, confusion sets in, fear, torment. It's as if you, who you were, died. And But at the same time, the different parts of you go into suspended animation and you're stuck as a child still getting abused. And the new you that comes out of the abuse when it maybe finally ends, is such a perverted and twisted part 
that never had a chance to say normally get pretty anchored and developed in what love is, what is a loving relationship, and they don't have that knowledge and that education to do anything with. And nobody tells them, okay, uh, how, when it's over with, how to deal with your feelings of fear, the nightmares, the uh, fear of the touch. Uh, Nobody talks to you. Not even a lot of mental health counselors will talk to you about what biologically happened, the chemicals that were turned on, the nerves that got stimulated during the sexual thing, what this means to the biological body, what hormones are being secreted, and how the memories work, because a lot of them don't get that in their master's level teaching. They basically get this is a disease, and how we do it is we give you medication to balance out the chemicals, okay? And I use my brother because he was diagnosed as manic depressive. So they put him on, I think, lithium, which was salt from pig's urine. And then after so long, they switched him to Tegretol. And that pretty much settled out, balanced out the chemicals, the neuroelectrical chemical system in the brain. So now things are calm. He's lacking in salt, I guess, or sodium whatever, he's sleeping good, he's eating good, but he still could not work out in normal society. It was too stressful. He didn't want to be responsible. Uh, He didn't want to be told what to do. And then he was diagnosed with borderline personality. And what that is, is you have like one foot in childhood and one foot as a teenager. And you waffle back and forth in your behaviors, your decision-making, your thinking processes from a child to a teenager. And you have a lot of behaviors and thoughts and concepts as a child. Now, how this occurred, okay, and it's real interesting because we don't look, a lot of healers do not look at what happened in our past from our ancestors. They don't look at words that were spoken over us. They don't look at some people put great emphasis on the month we were born under what zodiac sign, um, all kinds of things. In my family, I learned this later on, that there was a four-generation curse placed upon the family. There was a lady back about four generations ago in Northern Ireland, where my dad was from, way up there. She had been a wonderful lady, and she got into a relationship with a satanic druid high priest. This is, you know, four generations, probably five by now. And she wanted to keep the child. It was a, a male. But the Druid priest wanted to take this male child and sacrifice. That was their, you know, system. And uh, she didn't want that. She wanted to keep it. So she made a deal with the Druid priest and 
Satan through him, that if she could keep this firstborn male child, Satan, Satanism, witchcraft, the Druids, they could have her firstborn son in four generations. And that was my brother. And how it worked out was our brother got believing in Jesus Christ as a young child. He was baptized. But the enemy of love went to work. And my dad was in the Air Force at the time. Now, I'm not born. And my dad would have to go away for about a year doing unaccompanied tours. He went to Saudi Arabia. I think he went to the Philippines or Japan or something. And so it would be my mother and my brother together for maybe a whole year, just the two of them. And they bonded just wonderfully. Then my dad would come back, and my mom wanted to be with her husband, which is normal. But my brother, at age one, two, three, and four, interpreted it as rejection, abandonment. You don't love me. You want to go be with somebody else. You're giving me to babysitters. I don't know what happened. Maybe the babysitters did something. But he felt rejection. He started dying. Sort of being, he was being in his mind, and the curse was working. He was being sacrificed his relationship to his mother for this husband, this man that my brother never really bonded with. They could not kill him, the enemy, but they did a number on him mentally and emotionally. By the time I come along, my brother is four years old. My mother has to take care of me. He gets more rejection, jealousy, and I'm a girl. He's a boy. He carried my father's name, Junior, at the end. So the curse was working. My brother never wanted to grow up. He always wanted to be the mama's boy. And Mama take care of him, never bonded with his father, never really liked his father, never really bonded with me, never really, because jealousy. And so when he became adult, he got married and divorced twice. He had children. He couldn't hold a job. He had a horrible, and it turned out he was a borderline person. He always wanted to be a child and have Mama take care of him. There wasn't a time in my life when any holiday thing, my brother would run away from home. He was trying to get his mother's attention by this time. So all kinds of trauma was going on in the home. I have no idea what's happening. Nobody's talking. So here was a curse from four generations back. My mother had issues from her childhood. She was bitterly angry, jealous hateful of her three sisters. She was the apple of her father's eye. He died of a heart attack. She blamed her mom. She brought all of those issues into the marriage. In the military, you move around every two years. So she didn't see her cousin. We never had family, cousins. We didn't have it. She didn't want to see him. My dad's side of the family only had a sister. 
she didn't like my mother because she was Protestant and my dad was Catholic. And you didn't do that. Catholics and Protestants did not marry back in those days. So you bring all that into the family and the kids have issues. My mother was a chain smoker inside the house. It affected my health. I was sick with sinus, strep throat, earache, sick all the time. So her issues, which she never talked about, affected my life. Her issues, and my brother and him, so what we have to look at when we are trying to help people is we must have some understanding of our their parents, their other siblings, where they are. Are they the firstborn? We have to look back into ancestors. We have to look back into faith and religion. Some religions, the female is, she has no rights. She is to be subservient. She can be sold by the parents for money. She can be married at 10 to older men, not go to school, not have any education. So our childhood of every race are all affected by our parents, what happened to them, our society, our culture we live in. I don't know if you know this, Annie, but in America... They didn't have child abuse laws that it was illegal to abuse children for a long, long time. And the very first case of it, they had to use the laws that they used against that was illegal to abuse animals. They had to use Mm -hmm. that because they didn't have... Because children were seen as property. I gave you life. You got my blood. You came out of my body. You don't have any rights. And a lot of that... That that was my father. (laughs) Yep. That's generational. That is cultural. Some of it's religion. So a child is born into that. And when you're trying to help them be healed, you have to be smart enough as a healer to be able to ask appropriate questions They may not know much about their family, the history of their family, okay? Sometimes it's religious uh, issues you have to look into, and um, sometimes it's uh, other things. And so you have to be a healer, have to be knowledgeable in that, to help the abused person understand why their parent did this, their guardian did this, why mother didn't speak up, why they let the brother, the uncles do this. You know, it, it was that. No- and the therapist has to be highly educated in all of this. And normally it's not taught in your graduate level classes because. Typically, once you get, say, even to a counselor, they do talk therapy. They're trying to help you understand how you're feeling and help you to maybe have more control over your feelings. But they're also trying to help you to sleep, you know, and deal with your fears, your panic attacks, your your night terrors, your 
uh, post-traumatic stress issues. And so you might need to be on several medications, so you've got to get to a doctor or a psychiatrist. And because um, the biological system, the hormones, the chemicals, the, everything is just messed up. And that's why we need to have good physical health. We need to understand food and, and the, the role of alcohol and what it has in it. Why and drugs and what it does, why our body is seeking that, uh, what are we looking for in food, sex. I mean, you can be obsessed with, addicted to playing bingo, uh, doing social media, you know, playing games. And a lot of therapists don't understand about the lights and the sounds and what it's doing to the brain. Oh, uh, that kind of thing. So, uh, you have anything you would like to say about this so far, Annie? Well, um, <clears throat> one thing that you said that I wrote down because I was really moved by it was that when a person is abused, they come out the other end of it as a different person or different mm-hmm. animal if it's an animal. If you've ever seen a dog that's been kicked and beaten, you know, that that Mm -hmm. dog is going to be scared of everybody because that's Mm -hmm. what it learned. And I know when I I was scared of everybody, I've been scared of everybody my whole life, you know. Um, Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And And how? But I'm not anymore. (laughs) Well, what happens (laughs) if we are such wonderful and unique beings, creatures, that we can be, one part of us can be afraid and yet we'll develop another personality that's very aggressive and not afraid. And sometimes we are capable of shutting all those memories away, blocking it off, and creating something else, somebody else, and and pushing through life. Okay? Uh, We have a wonderful system, and long as there's no say, head injuries where, you know, you, if you get kicked in the head by a boot or throw, and, and blood vessels break and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and um, which can happen, as you know, in child abuse if you mm-hmm. don't get shot in the head and stuff like that, okay? But they're discovering a lot of parents give their kids drugs and alcohol because they don't want to hear them crying. They can't deal with it. That's what happens to them. And the body starts becoming addicted to the alcohol and the drugs early on. And so a therapist, a healer, needs to have knowledge in that. Peer support people are not really highly educated in a lot of areas that they need to be. There's there's so many free classes, free seminars about drug-endangered children. They can learn about working with the sheriff's department. There's citizens' academies. There's If you have hospitals or community organizations, a lot of them have so much literature you can read. They have free seminars. So much stuff's now out on social media. I used to go to everything I could that was free, you know, a free hmm. class, a free training, and maybe it's just a, a lunch meeting. They were going to have a guest speaker, and they were going to teach on something. And if you're connected to a mental health center or a 
psychiatric hospital. They have a lot of free things for the community. And um, a lot of literatures out there from all the different organizations and the different communities and the health departments that you can read about, you know, say cigarette smoking and its effects on the body. A lot of your state foster care systems have a lot of free stuff, free seminars. And I just, I wanted to learn throughout my life. And I, a lot of it is, you know, you can volunteer with a lot of organizations. And you go through, like, to be a guardian ad litem and working in the law legal system as the eyes and the ears sworn in by a judge, okay, you get two weeks of heavy-duty free sexual abuse stuff. And now you're part, and you serve two years. Hospice to understand death and dying and families and comfort, two years obligation. But you get a lot of training. So I used to do a lot of that. Uh, I'm sure some people can volunteer, you know, with school systems, churches, daycares. And um, the more you get and you learn about people or you read books and you study uh, normal, let's say, child development versus perverse or uh, child abuse cases, if you watch the movies, I think I've mentioned Sybil, uh, Three Faces of Eve. If you get out on YouTube and type multiple personalities, there's so much stuff. Child abuse cases. They even have, you know, Sherlock Holmes and he does stuff. And you study about early child abuse cases in Europe and stuff. Study the history of, you know, little children through the ages and how they were abused and things like that. And um, one of the great areas they uh, study is the eunuchs from the Chinese emperors. And they would take little boys even as early as five and six and castrate them, the parents. And they would, you know, sort of sell them to the eunuch system in the Forbidden City so they could have a life. The Book of Ruth, in the Bible, Ruth was sold by her father to the priest of Moloch because they needed money to feed the other children. And he said, as long as there's a need, you know. And so Ruth, who became uh, the wife of Boaz, who had, had Jesse, who brought forth King David, okay, she was sold into the priesthood and was to be sacrificed by Moloch. So child abuse, child slavery, parents selling children, trafficking children, children being abused to have a life, sold into marriage. They still do it in many religions. Uh, here in America, they did it with the FDLS. Texas went after the religion. They were having spiritual brides at 12 years old. Many were 40 and 50 taking the young mm-hmm. boys out because they wanted no competition from the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And they had a, a, just lots of what they called lost boys, 
Texas made them stop doing that because that's when puberty starts. And in the Islamic religion, you can marry a young girl. Mothers would sell their daughters to get money for food. And they and they could sell them as young as 10 years old. They could become maids or slaves or wives. And that was accepted by the religious community. So uh, girls have been getting married, having you know, relations as soon as even before puberty. Boys were used, you know, so it's nothing new. Okay. And so, but nowadays, because NASA's been so good at bringing this to light and having so many different types of shows and information to help people who've been abused, it's not as, it's not as hidden as it used to be. I think the average people are still shocked when they hear about it. And they had a really a true case. It happened over in Austria, I think, or Europe somewhere. A father kidnapped his oldest daughter, hid her in the basement, fathered three or four kids that never came out of the basement. The door was always locked. The mother didn't know about it. He lived this secret life, and he had his eldest daughter down there. She fathered three or four kids, and they finally rescued him and heard about him and they had never never felt the sun the wind the rain they had been maybe 10 years down in the basement what's going on with him okay so there's a lot about sexual slavery fathers uh, you know uh, mothers uh, not keeping their health up and the men are still sexually active and still looking for pretty girls, even into their 60s. And they look at their wife for 20, 30 years, and she's put on so much weight and doesn't look good. They want to have some interaction, so they go looking. The bars, the sex clubs, the brothels, okay? That's nothing new. I mean, they've had brothels. From day one, they've had girls that have been sold and trafficked, abused. The, the, in the Western movies, they were in the saloons. They were in the cat houses, okay, the prostitute yep. houses. Okay, so it's nothing. But those girls, to get there, had already been sexually abused by their father or neighbor or whatever. Okay. And they have yeah. it going on right now over in England. They have people from Pakistan sexually abusing the English girls and the courts do nothing because they're afraid to offend old Islam. But the Pakistani men, they believe that the woman is really nothing and she's to be abused and abused and thrown away. Where does that come from? Their religion. Allah does not like women. He wants them to live in the 7th century as slaves. It's a man's world. That's religion that does that. Now, how are you going to combat that if you if you work with somebody or not? So there's a... And in certain races and cultures, there is a philosophy about sex, marriage, men's roles, women's roles. Oh, my dad did it. What's the big deal? This is what we do. Okay? Everybody does it. 
and everybody thinks I, I get real irritated. They they blame the human trafficker for grooming the young girls on social media. If the parents had been good, loving parents, they were the first groomers. They either yeah. abused them, even neglected them, didn't talk to them about social media. They had their own issues. Girls wide open, looking for love, looking for that boyfriend. Because what will happen is they'll go from, I'm looking for a replacement for dad and mom. I want love. And once puberty hits in, they want the male. They want a husband, a boyfriend. It's a powerful, chemical thing that's going on. They didn't get it from their mama and their daddy. They don't, they're don't. they not loved at home. The, the hormones are kicking in with the female. She, has, she goes out and gets drunk at the fraternity parties. She wears scanty clothes. And she has no idea what she's doing and what the, is going on with the male biologically and emotionally. Because mama didn't sit down and daddy didn't sit down and talk to birds and the bees. She didn't read any books about her behaviors and sexual stimulation and about puberty and all kinds of things. So, who did, so everybody's blaming the traffickers. They're just picking them up off the street that's already ready and running away from home. And they're out there enticing them all the time. But they're ready. They've, been, they've already been groomed by their parents, their in-laws, their family. And they're looking for what? A boyfriend? I remember when I was coming out of my, my family, you know, I was, I was just 18. And looking for love. I just wanted someone to love and protect me. Protection mostly Mm -hmm. of all. Mm -hmm. And and I ended up with someone who was extremely macho. And because Mm -hmm. I felt safe with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't make for a good husband, though. (laughs) Well, see, once you understand all the components of love, safety is one of them. Do you ever observe a baby, okay, they want to feel our calm, loving arms around them, our calm voice. When we make a a sharp movement with our hands like we're going to slap them, the baby jerks in response to the movement, okay? Mm. Harsh words. The baby feels fear is there, torment. I'm not safe, it's not peaceful, loud music, loud television, loud voices. I've been on the phone and heard somebody tell their five-year-old kid, go get me a pencil or I'll kill you. That's not loving. Mm. That's not peaceful. Anger issues of the parents, because they're angry. Why? Because they didn't get what they needed. And they pass this on, even though they don't know it through verbal communication and nonverbal communication. 
A child in the womb can hear the mother's voice, the yelling, mm-hmm. the screaming, the loud music, talking on the phone all the time, what television shows you watch, the music you listen to. Okay? It can feel the mother's heartbeat. It can feel her getting tense, fearful. Okay? In the womb. So the baby can already be affected by loud noises coming out of the womb. Have the birth process is a very traumatic process on the baby. Mm-hmm. The baby's working hard. Mama's working hard. Okay? Screaming. they got to take their first breath. And if they're put in, yeah, it lasts for a little bit, but then the mama doesn't nurse or the dad comes in or there's, you know, and their voices, there's some races, some cultures that are very loud all the time, laughing, joking, screaming, yelling, and they think nothing of it. There's no child development for parents. There's no parenting classes unless you get involved with cults. I didn't get much in high school. I can remember when I was in the sixth grade, there was a young girl. I can't remember. I think her name was Ellen or Helen. She was already pregnant and had a child. And I go, I don't know what sex is. I didn't get the birds and the bees talk. I got no child parenting, no teaching at home, no books were offered to me. There was nothing on television in the 50s, early 60s. Barely, I don't even think I got the, when you turn into puberty, you know, what it was about. Most people don't talk about that. They don't talk about sex with the boy or pregnancy. You know, the hormones are on. The eyes are looking, the skin loves the touch. And the biological body, it doesn't matter if you're ten years old, if you can if your eggs are dropping and you've gone into puberty, you can have a child at ten. If an egg mm-hmm. and a sperm hit. Okay? Young boys are the same way. Okay? And the parents, because I didn't know anything. Okay? And we don't teach it to our children. We're embarrassed. We don't teach it. And so they grow up with no knowledge. They have childlike minds and things and they're still looking for love. Well, they, well, once the hormones kick on and all that good stuff and dopamine and epinephrine is gone, it is the full-blown body chemistry of pleasure. You t- and the eyes are looking... And they're seeking what you saw. Oh, he's so good looking. And then you touch him up and the hormones kick on. And and before you know it, you're pregnant. You're abused. And boys are, you know, do some of them mature much, you know, their hormones are much stronger. That testosterone is going. And they want to have fun. And they're used to being conquerors. And, and playing on the basketball courts and winning the game. And a girl is just a trophy to win. And having mm-hmm. that orgasm and stuff and having pleasure and winning and winning over something you can't have and blah, blah, blah. It's just, 
And if you don't understand all of that, a healer cannot help a person heal. I had to endure a lot of these people, especially the boys that wanted me to be like a wife. They wanted sexual in her, and I said, uh-uh, I'm not here to do that. I'm a mama. Mamas don't do that. Oh, well, our mamas, our dark mothers, they do that. Our mamas have sex with us. How come you're different? Okay. Because their mothers had sex with them. Your fathers had sex with their kids and children. That's nothing new. But I had to be able to say, mothers don't do that. You're a baby. Okay? You're a child. The love is different. And they didn't know that kind of love because they'd never had that. So an abused child has never had that. And if it was done by a brother or a sister, then they don't know how to be a brother and a sister and their siblings. If it was done by uncles or cousins, okay, that's family. So the family has betrayed them. Then they hide it. So now what happens, the child says, the whole family is against me. The family, those two people, mother and grandmother, are supposed to protect me from these. They didn't. They betrayed me. So betrayal set them. Confusion. What is a family? What are the responsibilities of a mother or father? So, you know, they form multiple personalities. So they get stuck in the past. So when they show up in the therapist's office, most of the personalities, they're not coming out. And you can create one just to be with your husband or your wife, and and you can have one to go to work and one to be with the boys at the golf club, golf course, and one on the basketball field. But when you're at home, uh, I just do what I saw happening at home. Okay? And yet, when you see domestic violence, they want that love so much, they don't want to lose you. They don't want anybody else to have you. And in a lot of cultures, their philosophy is, if I can't have you and control you, I don't have any power. I had a great video about that. And if I don't have any power, then I am powerless, and people will take advantage of me. I'll get beaten. And I will get abused. So they strive to control, the men do, to control the women. And that's how they show their friends, I got power and authority. I can tell them what to do. And then I have my place in society among my friends, the men. Okay, Annie, you can comment on anything you want a little (laughs) after eight. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was just thinking about the whole male-female interactions, and I... I don't know. I I have a lot of problems with the sex drive of men. Not problems, but just it's like 
thinking that their sex drive is too much. They have too much sex drive, and it scares me. I uh-huh. I remember when I was younger, I used to think every man who talked to me wanted to have sex with me. I thought that was all they want. Mm-hmm. That that was pretty much. <laughs> that was a bad attitude. No, it's you were sensitive because what happens is sex is a natural driving force to get an egg and a sperm together, and God created it to make it pleasurable. Five senses, touch, hormones, okay electrical stuff happening, enjoyment, but it's meant to be in a loving one-to-one relationship in a marriage where you're committed to each other. You can let your guard down, expose yourself, and it's a mature, intimate uh, relationship, and it's meant to be enjoyed at the right time so a child can be produced and the human race can carry on. Now, in that, the man, he is testosterone. His hormones are much more powerful. They are brought up in a different way. They are to conquer. Every woman is seen to be conquered. They are driven by their testosterone. That's why they, they deal with it by sports. They are driven to be strong, to battle, to win. They got to go out there, slay dragons, so to speak. <laughs> when they come home, okay, their bodies are different. They're to be protectors and warriors. Their whole chemistry is different. They look, they've got different, they can go kill in war and come home and be a loving father. They can compartmentalize it. They're not as emotional as a female. Females are much more emotionally attached because we are meant to be the radiance of love to a child, a mother, a child developer. Our hormones are different. We're to be softer. We're to be protected. We're to... uh, be intimate, but it's all meant to be in a marriage with no abuse, maturity, with uh, respect, dignity, and honor, and a willingness. But that's gotten all perverted. And so what happens is what was supposed to be a good thing, there's an enemy of it, he says, if I can get to that child and abuse him, the enemy of children hates children. Okay? He wants to destroy their innocence, their normal bringing up. He wants to create multiple personalities so he can use them in the drug industry, the brothel industry, the dance industry, the prostitution industry. So he can use them like a Manchurian candidate the way he wants to. And they won't feel too guilty about it. You know, they're, they're, they got a job. They're making money. So there's a lot to helping people overcome this and be healed as adults. 
I had to study all of this. I had to understand love, the bond of love, a mother's love, a father's love. I had to study child development outside of the womb, the purpose of breastfeeding, the purpose of holding a child in your arms, singing to it, reading to it. What was the child think, think, desiring? What was the mother to be given the child? What was the relationship with the child to the father? What was it about love and fear? I had to study it all. Because I'm sort of, when a child has been abused and they grow up as an adult, it takes a while for them, even though they want it, and they're looking for this love that somehow got disrupted, got perverted. And they're looking for this, and they want a mama. They want inside of them to know somebody loves them without abuse, without wanting anything from them. They want a mama. They don't know what a good one looks like. They don't know how to be a good child because they've never been one. And so they're seeking it without knowing it. A girl would go and try to find somebody like their father. He's the first one they love. I tell my son, you better, listen, your daughter is looking to you and how you treat your wife. She will go look for somebody like you. You are her first love. For a boy, his first love is his mother. And he will weigh up every other female to his mama. Those are the, how it works. If that's all perverted, all twisted, through abuse, then the generation, the young kids, they don't know what. They know they're supposed to look. But they, it's a perverted look. They're looking through perverted, dirty glasses, so to speak, trying to find that perfect. But when the perfect comes along, they're afraid of it because they're afraid it's going to hurt them, abuse them, leave them. One of the, one of the most wonderful cases was um, an owl. He was a heavy metal music lead singer very popular group and he was half Christian half satanic it was horrible horrible sexual abuse from his stepfather his father died just horrible stuff he wanted to tell me his story and then his question was do you still want to spiritually adopt me and I can tell you mama and I will know I have a mother that loves me and will not abuse me See, his biological mother chose her her second husband over her child, allowed her owl to be sexually abused by her his stepfather, and he tried to talk her to come from New York to California, and she wouldn't. He chose her husband for her needs over owl. So here's owl, no dad, no mama, and I step into his life and say. I'm going to be your mama. No matter what you do, I'm not going to hurt you. 
But he wanted to tell me his story, so he had a friend write it, Amanda, called Owl's Story. Uh, he's in heaven now. And after he told it to me in great detail, he wanted to know that I still want to be his mother. I said, yes. That would never change. And then he wrote me another letter, and he would sign it, Your Spiritual Son. He was adopted. Healing started happening. Now, that never met Al in the natural. Talked to him on the phone, through emails. But the spirit and the soul want a mama and a daddy. And therapists can't become that because of legal, ethical situations. Peer-to-peer can't do it because they're looking, the other person's looking for a mama too. It takes a healer, maybe a life coach, or maybe somebody like Bill or Carol or you, Annie, that's long down the road. Okay, that can adopt these people that I got you. Praying for you. You can love me. I'm not going to hurt my love's not going to hurt you. I'm not going to ask anything of you. That kind of thing. So have you got any questions about 817? Oh, is it 817? <laughs> My goodness. Um, do I have any questions? How do you get over it? You know, when okay. when someone is, has hurt you, mm-hmm. how do you trust how do you trust someone later on in life? You know, how can you trust, okay, this person's not going to hurt me? Okay. Well, um, the first thing that has to happen is you have to be deeply, spiritually, emotionally connected to somebody for many, for a long time that calls you my spiritual daughter. That bond, that deep mother-child relationship has to be reconnected. And you have to have that for a long time. And... Prayers go up for you. You call, they just say, you talk to them, and you say, that's all right, you're my daughter, no matter what. And you start learning, and then eventually, you study love. You study, if you're Christian, you study the Bible, you can read other books about love and healing, and you start going, you can read about relationships, you start getting Okay, I don't even know what a normal relationship is. What is it? Yeah. What's my responsibility? Are they supposed to make me happy? Are they supposed to feel my emptiness up? And typically in spiritual work, it's going to do with this. I'm your mama. I didn't give you birth, but I'm your mama. And you don't know your father yet. But he's around. That's God the most. And when you get, if you understand how babies grow in the natural, it's their mama that they breastfeed from. The mama's up with them. The dad's usually away from work. His voice is different. His hands are different. Sometimes in the military, they're gone for a year or two at a time. And they don't really get that connection. It takes a while for them to understand what a genuine father is cannot really have a genuine love for a man as a, an adult so you have the love of a father because you will want the man to be your father. You will act as a child from 
have to get your father's attention, your father's love. Or you will go pure sexual and try to tease the man with sexual stuff, hoping to hold on to him. And as you get older, his eyes looking for younger things because maybe you don't want to do all the sexual things he wants to do or his pleasures Mm. because he's got some issues. And men don't want the pressures of family. They don't. They got issues themselves, so they don't know how to be a partner. They don't understand. There's one good book out there called "Men Are from Mars and Women Are from Venus" or something like that. People don't mm-hmm. understand the other sex. They don't understand their own sex, their own emotional needs, how they think. Understand the differences. They don't understand why am I attracted to a man? Why are they attracted to a female? What is it in me that wants a man that loves me? What am I looking for? None of that's talked about in the peer-to-peer stuff. It's we're just gonna keep telling you our abuse stories and how horrible I feel. That doesn't help anybody. Okay, and what has to happen is. And mama has to come in and sometimes just say, that's okay. I understand. You don't have to say one word. I'm here for you. I've stayed up many nights talking to them on the phone. And they just want to hear a calm, sweet, loving voice that just says, you're going to be okay. I'm with you till the end. No, I don't want anything from you. I don't want your money. I don't want sex with you. I don't care if I never meet you. I see you on the back side. I see you never. And I knew the love that they needed was unnatural. It was spiritual. It was deep. And they were afraid of it. They were afraid of being loved because it had done nothing but hurt them. They had taken chances on loving people their whole life, get abused, get had just horrible stuff. And for some, it's easier. For some, it's harder. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they will love you. I've had love that just love you from a distance. I've had parents bring their children, hoping I'll be their mom. And it's a, but once you understand another child relationship and the child and the father, you start there. Therapists can't do that. Peer to peer, not do that. And what, how you learn to love other people is that you you can't love yourself. You don't have it. A little baby coming out of the womb cannot love itself. It doesn't even know who it is. What is that? It needs somebody else that's tender, sweet, loving eyes, loving hands, talking to it, taking care of it, making it feel safe and secure. That is what love provides. Many different things. And slowly the child has to go through childhood love to a mature love of the other sex. And then uh, and be committed, you know, and be knowledgeable, okay, and not be mistreated. But it takes the man understanding this also. They don't get any. You think they take any sex education classes? 
inmates living by the, you know, testosterone and the, the boys and the conquering all the women and, you know, who's, who's got the most notches on their belt and stuff like that. And different, <laughs> whole different set of, of thinking about women and sex and relationships. Some will love from a distance and they're quiet and they never say anything. They just watch. Girls are more out and about, and they're giggly and silly and goofy, and they're more of a child. And they don't know for a long, long time what mature love is or afraid of kisses. But if you've been child abuse, all of that's been distorted. You've grown up in a way that's been so horribly... You have... You just... Everything's twisted now on the inside about love and relationships and yourself and men. This intimacy, and it's horrible. So it is now about 8.24. You have six minutes, Annie, to close us up and, you know, make any comments and then play the song. So I've enjoyed this topic. I try to stay on topics. Love's a is the foundational one that everybody needs to study. Lots of good books on it. Look it up in the dictionary. A lot of good people teaching on social media. Uh, you know, you can't heal yourself by loving yourself because it just isn't going to happen. The love always even, you know, comes from another person who is kind and sweet and stuff. So I enjoyed it with you this week, Annie. Thank you, Pastor Deborah. It was a great talk. Thank you. I'm I'm sad no one called in, but maybe next time. You're always welcome, audience members, to call in. Well, here's what happens. After I get this and you do it, I download the audio. I make a video of it, and I put it on LinkedIn, Twitter, my my YouTube channel, and I'll end up getting maybe eventually 100 viewers of it. Okay. And really? then it's podcast uh, it's podcasted out to my Pastor Deborah's Agape Love free podcast. Oh yeah. I don't just let it sit there on NASCA. But I'm not worried if you know, I'm teaching, okay. People are listening, believe it or not, but and I, I, sure. I take it and I and I make a video out of it and I add music and effects to it and, be, and it turns into a nice video that for an hour and a half people can listen to a topic about getting healed and about how wonderful NASCA is and they can go to the website because they use that and, uh, and they can see all the different wonderful programs and information they have about NASCA so I advertise it um, you know and everything you guys do and the website and and it's fully out to a podcast. So, you know, it's it's out on other social media things besides just with, you know, the archives there for the blog talk radio. So mm-hmm. I, I might be back in a couple of weeks, you know, on the second Tuesday. I'll wait and see if Bill has found somebody to put them in. If not, I'll be there. You might be there. Victoria might be I there. I might be. Yeah. 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 Look forward All to right. that. It's 8.27. You close us out and play the music, and we'll be done. And I enjoyed you. Glad you got back safe from your vacation. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, okay, everybody, that about wraps up our time for tonight. This has been Stop Child Abuse Now, SCAN, radio show number 3277. And SCAN is brought to you by NASCA, the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And the NASCA website is naasca.org. That's nasca.org. And there's all kinds of wonderful information from you, for you. And this radio show it goes on five nights a week at 8 p.m. Eastern time for an hour and a half. And we have guests, guest speakers who come on and talk about their own stories on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then on Tuesday, Thursday, we have our survivor professional interviews. And thank you very much for listening. I will play the music and let us out. Thank you. Another tomorrow Cause that's gone